Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi there, Rob here. Now, we have got a fantastic episode of the podcast on the way. Don't go anywhere. But I do have to tell you that we actually recorded the podcast this week on Monday. So that's why there is no talk from me and James of the decision from the EBU to keep the slogan United by Music as the permanent slogan for the Eurovision Song Contest. We won't be mentioning that in today's episode because, well, quite frankly, we're not fortune tellers. We didn't know it was going to happen this week. So we recorded the pod on Monday. We don't mention the new slogan, but there is plenty for you to look forward to on today's episode of the Eurotrip. The Eurotrip, when I read that, I was immediately thinking of the movie. Do you know the movie? Hi, I'm Leanne. Hello, Leanne. Uh, Leanne, are you a Eurotrip podcast listener? I am, yes. <laughs> I, I should say, I met some Eurotrip fans here. I was chatting with people outside the entrance, and they said, oh, are you, are you Bella Fist? And I said, yeah, I know you're from the Eurotrip. What did you have for breakfast? It was last night. I did not have a kebab for breakfast. Queen Lorene, Eurovision winner. Did you ever think you would be back here again? I get goosebumps. No way! Martin Ossadar, Executive Supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. Welcome to the Eurotrip. Thank you very much. Welcome back, I think it is, right? Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. And this week, we've got another episode of Rewind for you as we head back all the way to 1969. It's been a while since we've done a rewind that neither of us were alive for. Safe Mm. to say that uh, me and you, I'd argue not even a twinkle in our parents' (laughs) eyes at this point back in 1969. And, well, James, 
What a contest it was. How many winners? Three winners? Four winners? Four winners. Yeah, I wonder if anybody listening right now watched 1969 live. I'd love to know if we've got any listeners who actually watched it live on the night. Yeah, we're heading back to Eurovision 1969 in Madrid. The, The infamous contest with four winners, Rob. I said it last week about Rewind uh, 2003 that we did on the podcast last week. Imagine if social media had existed in 1969. The Ferrari, as four songs are revealed as the winners. There's no tiebreak rule. They just all win. And then the fallout as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah, loads more on the podcast this week as well, because, alert, alert, we have our first song for Eurovision 2024. France are out the blocks very early, so we'll be listening to it and uh, casting some of our thoughts on that as well. As is always the case, all of the delegations, they know that this podcast comes out on a Wednesday. Pretty sure France released their song on a Wednesday morning, did they not? (laughs) Yes, they did, yeah, just to make our lives a bit difficult. Um, I will be listening to it, by the way, on the podcast for the very first time. I've managed to avoid it to this point, so I'll be listening for the first time. And also, I will be catching up with one of our favourite artists from Eurovision 2022. They've had some exciting news this week, so I'll be catching up with them in just a second. So you've got all that and more to come. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. Hello, Mia Dimsich. Hello. Long Mia, time no see. Long time no see. Uh, Mia, it has been a little while since we had you on the podcast. Uh, you've been on twice before, or more times than that, I think, as well, because we caught up a few times in Shirin. Croatia's yeah. entry, of course, for the Eurovision Song Contest 2022. Uh, and Mia, you are here because you very excitingly have released your first ever English language album. It's called Monologue. It's out now. How pleased are you to have it out there for oh people to God. listen to? I keep saying to my friends that I feel like I'm I'm, so, I'm I'm on some kind of a new drug that hasn't been invented yet, like since the album came out. It's <laughs> I'm just ecstatic all the time, and um, I've I've been imagining this moment for so long. And even to hear you now in the introduction say like your English album is out to me, it's like wow, it is, it isn't, it it really is, you know. And it was such a lot. It was such a long process as well, right? You know, this has been a a real labor of love for you. I actually started writing the songs in 2021. It was the winter time, I think, and everything was still closed due to COVID, so you literally could not go anywhere. And looking back now, I'm probably grateful for that circumstance because I just sat down and write. I wrote every day, literally, and I think "Guilty Pleasure" was the sixth or seventh song I wrote in that like little bundle. And when uh, when September that year came, or at least, or it, maybe it was November. Yeah, my my team and I discussed sending it to the Croatian's national finals for Eurovision, and then it ended up winning, and I went on to go to Eurovision. So it completely changed the course of my life and my career. But it was, I think, perfect timing because it opened the door to a new audience and like opened up so much visibility because that's what Eurovision does naturally. So it was kind of a perfect spot for presenting my first English single. And then my initial plan was to like, oh, um, I won the national final. Now I'm going to like finish my album and put it out before Eurovision. But of course, like I had zero time to do it. Like I, I totally underestimated the amount of work it took. So a lot of the time actually passed. And then only after Eurovision did we manage to get into the studio and really explore different sounds and send songs back and forth. And here we are, like 
a year and a half later with the whole album out. But um, I was really, really impatient uh, throughout the process. I'm always impatient. I always think everything was supposed to be done yesterday, you know. But I feel like everything always happens at the right time. And I'm so happy that it's finally out. Well, th there is so much more that I want to ask you about the album. But I've got a little surprise because hopefully this works because I'm hoping that one of your uh, one of your fellow Eurovision 2022 pals is going to join us. Someone that you caught up with Ooh, very recently. Yay! <laughs> this we... is such a cool surprise. <laughs> I'm so happy to see you and talk to you. And thank you so much for taking the time to join the conversation. And thank you, Rob, for the beautiful surprise. Hello, Domi from We Are Domi. I mean, we, we've just been talking to Mia, obviously, about her new album, which is very exciting. So yeah, I mean, obviously, as someone who knows the labour of love of music, um, I mean, you must be delighted for Mia as well to, to see her English language album finally out there. Actually, Mia messaged the band today. Obviously, first of all, congratulations. I was just playing on loop. Um, the Airplane Hearts one, Mm -hmm. The airplane heart song. It's so cute. Domi, I'm right in thinking you are you are playing with Go A tonight. Of course, Ukraine's entry Eurovision 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're uh, I guess I think they have a European tour right now, so they're stopping in Prague, and very we're cool. supporting them, which is awesome. I'm actually a very big fan, so <laughs> so it's exciting, amazing, amazing. Yeah. That's that's one of the advantages of living in. It's such a cool city like Prague, where amazing musical events are taking yeah, place all the but, time yeah i'm sure i'm sure they'll come to croatia as well like i'm, I'm sure go is, wants to go to like all the countries that yeah eurovision countries especially but i think they were in america as well and they're doing amazing i'll talk to them i'll ask them today how it's going <laughs> obviously i wanted to talk to you guys about what it was like hanging out because mia did you go to prague was it in the summer i actually went to prague in september uh, I went to the songwriting camp where I met some amazing people and I had the time of my life in Prague. And then on my way back, uh, I had a spare day, so to say. And then I texted the band and they were kind enough to uh, give me their whole afternoon and, of course, uh, bring me to have beer. Always the most fun part about Prague. <laughs> and yeah, we, we, we managed to catch up and discuss a lot of stuff and gossip a little bit. You know, that's what you do. When you know, when you have many mutual connections, that's what you do as well. And also they informed me on how they're sessioning and creating new music. And I think it's also exciting. And I can't wait to see where our paths will cross in the future as well. Um, I'd love to ask you more about the gossiping, but I won't because that's not fair. But how 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 was it catching up genuinely? Because I mean, presumably it had what been, I mean, I guess over a year since you guys had seen each other in Turin. Well, yeah, so we, we haven't seen each other for like, yeah, like over a year, which is crazy, but it felt weirdly like it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> like it's still crazy to me. It actually happened that long time ago, but we were talking about this and I just, yeah, I mean, like it's, it was just lovely. It was just nice that you could come to our city, that you had time because obviously music is just sometimes you're like, oh, stuff. I actually have to run somewhere. It's just so overwhelming and and it's always nice to talk to other people about like how mental it can be, but also amazing. So that was really nice. And I hope that you're going to come to Prague or like now it should be the other way around. Now we should go see you. Domi, I'm going to let you go because you're super busy. Your manager's trying to give you a call. So I'll let you go and yeah, do that. Sorry. Have, have an amazing gig with Goa. Say hello to the boys and I'm Thank sure we'll you. catch up again soon.
Thank you for having me and congratulations on the album. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 And there she goes. This was a lovely surprise. I really (laughs) didn't expect it. Thank you so much. Mia, I mentioned that there was still so much about the album I wanted to talk to you about, but I won't keep keep you for too much longer, um, I promise. I was going through Fine. your uh, I was going through your kind of explanations and the stories behind the songs over on um, on your socials, and I wanted to pick out one because it is one of my favourite songs. Um, Darcy and Elizabeth, uh, and you said, a song about fictional couples who ruined your expectations of love yes. until a certain <laughs> someone. So uh, tell us a little bit about that song in particular. Um, I actually am really happy that many, many people picked this song out as their favorite. It, it, it's one of my favorites as well, uh, because it was one of the songs that like came about really quickly. You know, when you're just like, the chorus, I think is really catchy. And when I came up with, I was like, this has to exist already because it just sounds too natural, you know, but I didn't find that it exists elsewhere. So I just started building the song around that. And I, I definitely knew I, I had to make a song about fictional couples that I loved as a teenager and as a kid. That was actually my wish for years, to have a song about book characters and movie characters that I really, really love. Like Dawson's Creek is a show I can rewatch every year over and over again. And like, it's so slow for today's youth, you know? And it's like so many episodes. And everyone's always like, what are you watching every time? Like, how do how do you not get bored? But I can't get bored because Joey and Pacey are just the best. And I just, I half my life I wanted to be Joey. So you know. Oh well, we'll 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 play we'll play out the this chat with a little bit of uh, a little bit of Darcy and an Elizabeth. Easy for me to say. Um, but Mia, what's what's next for you? I mean, I feel like you should have a bit of a rest, but um, I know that the life of a musician is never like that. So what <laughs> what what's next? To, to a certain degree, I even hate resting sometimes because I really, really love what I do so much. And when you get hung up on the adrenaline of it all, you just need to get your hit all the time, if that makes any sense. So I was actually finishing my creation songs as well at the studio uh, last week. So it was a crazy week. My next album in creation will be out spring 2024. And parallel with that, I'm definitely going to continue with with the English stuff and I want to get it out there to as many people as possible. And I really want to maybe have a chance to do some promo or touring outside of my region as well. So I already have the next song in English planned out as well. It's going to be a summer song, a beach song. One of the songs that I wrote in a songwriting camp also like a couple of years ago. So a lot of the songs I've been writing over the years and now I want to just put it all out in the best way possible so no rest i'm sorry but no rest for me no rest for you well next time you said you know you want to get out there maybe you've already been for a beer with we are domi in prague come over here and we'll have a drink in london it'd be nice to see you again i will definitely uh, ring you up next time i'm in london and i hope there there's going to be a reason soon fingers crossed mia it's been a pleasure it always is you've become a real friend to us here on the Ocean podcast it's lovely to find out what you're up to and uh, yeah congratulations from not just from me from not just from domi who was there earlier but from all of the listeners as well on the on the new album thank you so much and just makes me so happy that that, that it's out there and thank you for your support and friendship oh, well mia we'll speak to you soon i'm sure and uh, see you soon Bye-bye. bye That's such a lovely way to start the podcast, isn't it? To catch up, you've promised us one 
Eurovision 2022 artist, and yet you delivered us two. How sneaky. It was a surprise, not just for Mia, but a surprise for all of you listening as well. Yeah, wasn't that nice? We're so pleased we could make that happen because I'd seen on Insta, I said in the summer, but as it turned out, it was in September, that uh, Mia and the guys from We Are Domi, uh, Dominica, Benjamin and Casper, had all hung out in Prague. And I was like, well, should we see if Domi's free? We'll get her on. And uh, yeah, she managed to squeeze us in just before We Are Domi performed and uh, warmed up for Go A in Prague. A lovely little Eurovision triangle there. Yeah, it was so good. Well done for, for setting that up. Thank you very much. And I should say as well, Mia's album is brilliant. So make sure you go and have a listen. It's called Monologue. Uh, and as Mia said, let her know what you think as well. She'd love to hear your thoughts. So uh, go and seek her out on socials as well. And you can, uh, you can see a little video. Potentially, you might still be able to see a little video that she, uh, she did for us over on our, our Insta story. God love her. What a woman. <laughs> and speaking of socials as well, I'm going to ponder, James, a question. I'm going to pose you a question. The same question that I posed everyone over on our Twitter over the weekend. I don't know if you've seen these red pill, blue pill questions doing the rounds. Mm. I've seen a few people asking these. If you want to have the blue pill, James, it means that your country wins the Eurovision Song Contest in 2024, mm-hmm. but then doesn't compete for the next five years. Mm-hmm. Or the red pill, your country are ever present in every single grand final until 2030, but they definitely won't win any of them. It's red pill all day long, isn't it? Surely it's red pill all day long. I think, and as a lot of people said in our socials, I think it depends what country you are. Well, if you're a big five, I guess you're already in the final until 2030 anyway. But if you're a country like Latvia, not being in in a semi-final since... What, 2015, 16? Uh, maybe you would take the blue pill. What, and just get a win? Done. Just get your win. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's been 20 years since they have done. So yeah, but you, you want it, don't you? It's like a host broadcaster's dream, isn't it? You win <laughs> and you don't even have to pay to host. <laughs> I'll just read you a couple really quickly. So uh, picking the red pill. So this is being ever present, but not winning. Uh, I'm sorry, zero points said, coming from Ireland, it's sadly a case that we can just dream of getting into the final, please. Uh, Winning seems like a far-fetched dream at the moment. So, uh, yeah, they would pick, obviously, being ever-present in the grand final, very understandably. Uh, Euro Passion just said, definitely blue. Not sure where Euro Passion are from. Uh, And Swedish Marcus, this is cocky, uh, Swedish Marcus said, red all the way. We don't need the win anyway. (laughs) Very, very cheeky. Uh, thanks to everyone who's been in touch with us across the week on socials. We are at Eurotip Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Hello at EurotipPodcast.com on the email. And thanks to everyone who's been on our Buy Me a Coffee. Thanks to Joey who got in touch on there to say, so great to have you back and already getting us ahead and up to speed for Eurovision 2024. And if you want to head over to our Buy Me a Coffee, if you feel like you would like to donate, any money a tiny tiny amount to help us keep this podcast going then you can do that we are at buymeacoffee.com forward slash eurotrip podcast so that's all one word buymeacoffee.com slash eurotrip podcast Right then, it is Eurovision news time and there is probably only one big story that we can come to first in the fact that we have our first song 
2024, Eurovision 2024. Already, I hear some of you cry. Yeah, it came out on, what was it, November the 5th, 6th? I've forgotten now, but it, whatever it was, whatever the day. <laughs> it was, it was early, last week. Last week, last Wednesday, early November is very, very early for a Eurovision song. Does your spreadsheet go as far as to tell us what the earliest date we got a Eurovision song was? It doesn't, sadly. I, I, I posed a question on Twitter the other day. To, I just it, off the cuff said, perhaps the earliest one we've ever had. And a few people got involved, including Ewan from ESE Insight. And I thought he might have known the answer. But I don't think anybody actually has a concrete answer on that. Intelligent Music Project for Bulgaria. I appreciate that none of us particularly want to remember them. Um, <laughs> I seem to remember that was early, and I think that was November, but I don't yeah. think it was. I don't think it was early November. Macedonia 2015 was coming up for a lot of people. He was saying that was early November as well. So yeah, there's a few potentials, but there's not a concrete answer. But this year, it's France, Rob. It's Sliman, and you've not heard the song yet. No, I've been a slim man, and I've not actually <laughs> listened to it yet. So I thought that I would have a listen on the podcast today, because I, I'll ask you after I've listened, because I don't want it to sway my opinion on the song, but I'm going to assume that you're a big fan, because as we already know, and as people will have heard in your episode of The Contest and Me, you are a big fan of a French Eurovision entry. <laughs> so uh, so you've you've kind of... Picked a point in the song that you think it would be best for me to listen to, is that right? Yes, I have, yes. So I've sent you the link. Uh, and yeah, let's. I'm going to hit play on the podcast. You're going to play it on your end, Rob. And you can listen to it for the first time and let us know what you think. Okay, here we go. Oh, he's got, he's got a good voice. Mm. He's quite passionate. He's got Dotter's jacket on, hasn't he? From Melfest <laughs> and uh, Basil. Was it Basil from North yeah. Macedonia? Mm-hmm. I should say as well, this uh, this video that I'm watching has the English translations, which is quite funny. So you can Just do shouting, do you love me over and over again. I'm as blown away by it as a lot of other people I've seen on social have been, but it's it's okay. I think the reaction has been really good generally because it's the first round of the blocks, so it's always difficult to gauge what it's going to be like up against the rest of the competition. But yeah, it's France. They're bringing another big ballad, clearly going for for the jury vote. Well, I say clearly, maybe they are. Uh, but yeah, it's a very strong one, isn't it? Well, not to uh, not to be devil's advocate here but uh, mm. weren't they going for the jury vote in 2023 <laughs> maybe i don't know You'll how did that go uh, <laughs> it, uh, it's not a winner but it's good is my my summary of the french entry for eurovision 2023 i would say um but the albanians james as well they must be quaking in their boots because for so long they always provided us the first eurovision entry of the season and they might be the third Eurovision entry of 2024 because we found out at the week in which we're recording this podcast. I should have spoken to Domi about it, actually, from We Are Domi. <laughs> ESCZ 2024, which, of course, we were so lucky to help host ESCZ 2023. Um, ESCZ 2024 over in Czechia. It's happening in three weeks' time, less than three weeks' time at the point at which you're listening to this. 
Yeah, what is it? 4th of December. So yeah, ESCZ 2024 is actually going to be in 2023. But yeah, it's going to be in December. It's going to have a live so, so, audience. So, 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 hold, so hold on. You love a stat. That means that we're going to have had two Czech Eurovision National Finals in the same year. Oh, has that ever happened before? Somebody, <laughs> I don't know the answer. Can somebody find that out? Has that ever happened before? Oh, I don't know. But it's exciting for them. It's really, really good news, isn't it? Because we were out in Prague, as we've already said, in January, and you knew the passion that exists within the, the Czech Eurovision team. They've been trying so hard to kind of improve things, do things on a bigger scale. So for them to have a live national final with an audience in Prague... Yeah, is, yeah, really, really good news for, for Czechia at Eurovision. You're listening to The Eurotrip, your favourite Eurovision podcast. When you aren't listening, find us on social media at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. Such exciting news, isn't it, about ESCZ? And yeah, can't quite get my head around the fact that we've got our first Eurovision national final of the season in under three weeks' time. Eurovision 2024 is very much in full swing. And, of course, Junior Eurovision, we should mention this, is next weekend. And we will be taking a break from Rewind next week because we'll be previewing Junior Eurovision 2023. But, uh, yeah, it's all happening, James. It's all coming thick and fast. Yeah, it certainly is, which is very, very exciting. It always seems at some point at this time of year, it always seems a bit low and quiet. But now I feel like it's already full steam ahead. It's almost like we were ahead of the curve. It's like we knew that stuff was <laughs> going to be coming, so we should we so we should probably start our 2024 season. And here we are, every Wednesday to guide you through from now until Malmo. Yes, uh, thanks to everyone who's been in touch about Rewind last week. Uh, Rob, you covered uh, Eurovision 2003. Thanks to all that research, uh, people seem to love it as well. Oh, what fun it was as well, delving deep into the archives of Eurovision 2003, the sequel, if you will, James, to the one that you'd done the week before of Eurovision 2002. So we've had a great time in the early noughties over the last couple of weeks here on the podcast. Uh, Sophie got in touch. She said, I had no idea about most of this drama in 2003. So interesting and insightful. Thank you guys, as always. Uh, At Euro underscore Jam said, ah, 2003, my beautiful plasticine-covered baby. (laughs) I mean, it's absolutely not my baby, but it feels like a special one, being my big entry point to this weird and wonderful contest. And Jamie as well got in touch and said, first ever in-person Eurovision, and the only one I've ever been to as a journalist. Great memories, despite the UK's result. Mm, Yeah, very well done. Uh, Now then, we are going to rewind back to 1969 this week. So, James, we are going with my quick maths back 33 years. 33? 43? 53? <laughs> no, from, from 2003. Oh, sorry, I thought you meant from now. Oh, no, who's made okay. a fool of themselves? Well, I think most people are, were on my side there thinking, no, what sure is he on were. about? <laughs> I'm not sure they were. Hold on then. Let's do the maths properly again. From one rewind to another, from 2003 to 1969, we are rewinding a further 33 years. You can do the honours. No, it's, it's but it's 34. <laughs> no, it's 34. Oh. Well, you've upset me now, so you're not going to get to say it. Anyway, it's time to rewind. <laughs>
Let's start then by setting the scene for you on what was happening in 1969. So, the Boeing 747 was flown for the very first time, plus Concorde undertook its very first test flight. The Beatles released their 12th studio album, Abbey Road. And speaking of music, Marvin Gaye was top of the charts in the UK with I Heard It Through the Grapevine. Now, before actually getting to the contest that we're going to talk about in Madrid, it is worth setting the scene for how we actually got here. Because if it wasn't for some political involvement, Spain may not have actually won the previous year in 1968. Yes. So this is because the Spanish winner in 68, Maciel, wasn't the intended performer for the Spanish broadcaster TVE. That was meant to be Juan Manuel Serrat. He was an emerging voice in the Spanish music scene and had originally been asked to represent Spain with the song La La La. And he duly took up the offer. But as it was noted in a copy of Spanish music magazine Ritmo in the January of 68. Isn't that a kino song? <laughs> uh, what is it? There's a song called Ritmo. Ah, do they? I Have you not heard me. Ritmo by kino? Sorry, it's a tangent. I have seen them live, so probably, yeah. It's a good song. Well, I can't, can't believe you yeah. wouldn't remember it. Hmm, forgive me. Anyway, uh, yeah, they mentioned that uh, Serrat was an unusual choice, partly because he was fairly unknown, but also because his preference to perform in the Catalan language uh, rather than in Spanish. So in the weeks in the run-up to the 68 contest, he was out across Europe on a promotional tour, but he soon had second thoughts on the song. And less than two weeks before the live show, he requested to perform the song in his preferred Catalan, a language that Franco, Spain's dictator at the time, associated with Catalonian separatists. His request was, unsurprisingly, rejected by the broadcaster, almost certainly under pressure from the dictator. So he stepped aside and refused to go to London for the competition. So the broadcaster only had a matter of days to muster up a new performer, which... Again, remarkably, they did so, selecting Maciel, who, as we know, went on to win the competition, singing the very same song. Do we think Maciel was just wandering past TVEHQ? I think, actually, believe it or not, I think she was on a tour of Argentina, or was it Mexico at the time? So she actually had to fly back from South America uh, to actually take up the offer. Good job they didn't stick her on a boat, isn't it? She (laughs) would have missed it. She would have got back too late. Well, now, we could, of course have a quick listen to Maciel's version of the song. But we thought, rather than do that, let's have a blast of the original. So this is, of course, Juan Manuel Serrat with his version. Turning our attention properly to 1969 then, and the Spanish regime had to pull out all the stops to ensure the contest would go off without a hitch. Madrid, the country's capital, was chosen as the host city, with its opera house, the Teatro Real, chosen as the venue. The regime, of course, wanted to use its moment in the spotlight to show off the country in a positive light, as have so many other countries in a similar situation, (laughs) of course. So they then had to backpedal on a number of political decisions that had been taken over the course of the previous year. Now, first up, Franco ceased a state of emergency that had been declared in the country in 1968 because of revolts by students across Spain's universities. 
Also, despite loosening its grip on the Spanish press in 1966 with its printing and press law, Spain retightened the freedom of the press to ensure it could control the image of the contest. Honestly, James, I didn't think we'd mention the Spanish printing and press law of 1966, <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> yeah, I was reading as well in a great journal by Juan Francisco Gutierrez Lozano. Great name. Uh, he noted that uh, the Eurovision Song Contest appeared as a symbolic opportunity to dispense with Spain's isolation and convey an image of Spain on a par with other European societies. Another good quote on Rewind. Mm. Uh, Austria, however, was not convinced. It was the only country that participated in 68 that chose to withdraw from the contest in 69. Uh, Rumours were swirling at the time that the decision to withdraw, the first time they'd actually done so since the contest was formed in 56, was a way to demonstrate their displeasure of the contest being hosted in Franco-Spain. But... In an article in an Austrian newspaper in the January of 69, a boss at the Austrian broadcaster ORF was cited as saying they didn't have a representative singer and didn't want to hire a foreign performer as they had done the year before. Very interesting, that, isn't it? And of course, given the, the timeline involved here, Austria had won Eurovision not long before this. They won in 66, didn't they? So not a long time before they then chose to withdraw completely. Yeah. Indeed. Now, Rob, you can probably see on the screen now, it says the word that we used to two weeks ago. What does it say? It says tangent, James, and this <laughs> fills me with both joy and dread, because last time this happened, we heard about the Bird Eurovision Song Contest. So what have you got for me this time? Well, I wanted to take the opportunity to correct the record on Eurovision 1969. So if you look at the stage in Madrid, you'll see an enormous silver sculpture slap bang in the middle of the stage, just behind where the performers were performing. And in most places where you look, it'll say that it was designed by Salvador Dali. So this is cited in Gordon Roxburgh's great books that we've mentioned here on the podcast. It's also in Chris West's book. It's also in a video on Eurovision's official YouTube channel. But in a few places... Uh, it is said that it was designed by Amadeo Gabino. And I wondered if, if it was one of them, if it was the other, or if the two had actually collaborated together. Can I say as well, you're the only person that was wondering this. Every <laughs> single person listening to this was thinking, I was perfectly happy, assuming it was just Salvador Dali. Let's get on with the rest of Rewind. But please do continue. Uh, I shall. Uh, so I have been in touch with Gabino's oh, for... family. No, you haven't. <laughs> Did you, what did how how were you in touch? How were you in touch? Just via email because I right. wanted to find out uh, the truth of the story, and they were very happy to send me a statement. I can read it for you now. Did they send you a statement on email? Did they send it by a letter? Was it carrier pigeon? <laughs> what, how did they do it? Yeah, it was just via email, and this is the statement that they sent. We can confirm that the work on the stage is the work of. Amadeo Gabino. As for Dali's involvement, we would say definitely no. Dali oh. belongs to an artistic movement, surrealism, which is opposed to the one Amadeo belongs to, which was geometric abstractionism. My favourite my favorite kind of abstractionism. <laughs> it would be very strange, they say, uh, if they had worked together in a project. In fact, Amadeo's opinion on Dali wasn't very positive. Oh, blimey. 
So mm. now we're finding out about all sorts of ruckuses in the yeah. obstructionism world. <laughs> it is worth saying, by the way, that Darley did indeed design the official poster that went for you. Oh, the thank goodness me. So oh, perhaps, what a relief. So perhaps that's where all the confusion comes from. And also, Darley in 1969 designed the Chupa Chups lolly logo. So I reckon that <laughs> fella was raking in the cash in 1969. <laughs> And also, people don't know this as well, of course, but Dali was due to perform La 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 in 1960. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't. Honestly, your research knows no bounds and you need to get another hobby. <laughs> so this was the second edition of the contest to be broadcast in colour. But according to Gordon Roxburgh's Songs of Europe book series, Gordon Roxburgh, of course, who joined us on our first series of Rewind, you might have heard him on some of our Rewind revisiteds over the last few weeks, the major problem was that TVE wasn't broadcasting in colour at this time. So you could have seen TV in colour in different countries, but not in Spain. Now, as a result, TVE had to borrow equipment from the German broadcaster ARD. Ironically, even though the show was filmed in colour, the domestic audience in Spain would only see it in black and white, and Spain wouldn't introduce regular colour programming until 1972. Uh, let's get to the songs then, shall we? We're going to kick off with song number three on the night, and that was the home entry of Spain. It was Salome with Vivo Cantando. <laughs> I think when you hear that song, and if you've seen the performance, you'll always be able to imagine Salome's bright blue outfit that she wore on stage. Uh, it was reported that it was made of porcelain and weighed over 13 kilograms. Uh, it was designed by legendary Spanish designer Manuel Pertigas. Uh, not, speak- not, da- not Salvador Dali? Not Dali, not Gabino, no, not, not one of these this time. Uh, and speaking in 2019, Salome said that she keeps the dress at home but never wears it. She said, many years have passed and no matter how well I preserve it, once I have taken it out, it breaks because it is very delicate. Can you imagine if you fell over in a porcelain <laughs> dress? That's a surefire way to get a trip to A&E, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, the producer of the song was Augusto Aguero, who also conducted the 45-piece orchestra for Salome. He also lent his conducting duties, by the way, to the Luxembourg artist, Catherine. Now, although Salome had been chosen internally as the artist, she still had to compete in a national final, albeit only competing against herself. Now, this isn't, of course, uncommon. Many countries have selected an artist before handing over the final decision on the song to TV viewers. But Salome had a whopping 10 songs to perform on TV for the public to choose from. And even more interestingly, she wasn't the only one to sing them. What? Even though she would be representing the country at the contest and that decision had already been made, TVE also elected to have 10 other singers on hand to perform one of the 10 songs each. Blimey. I mean, by the time by the time Salome got to song number ten, I wouldn't be surprised if that song didn't get picked. The vocals must have been a bit ropey by that point. Yeah, bizarre, isn't it? Uh, next up for us then is the song that was performed immediately after Spain, uh, which was Jean Jacques for Monaco with Maman, Maman. Maman, Maman. 
Now, a very young-sounding Jean-Jacques there with Mammal, Mammal. He sounds young, because at the time, he was indeed <laughs> very, very young. Yeah, so there's a bit of debate about when he was actually born. Some say he was born in the January of 1956. Others say he was born in the November. You can probably work out just how young he actually was. Uh, it well, was... we heard my maths earlier on. Yeah, I might not be able not. to. Probably uh, not. But yeah, it was widely reported that he was just 12 years old at the time. Uh, so naturally, it leads you to think that he was born in the November of 1956, which astonishingly means he wasn't even born when the first contest aired in 1956. So he was the first artist to do Eurovision being born after the first one had taken place. That is crazy, isn't it? That is mad. Now, speaking of crazy, nowadays, Jean-Jacques doesn't even work in the music industry, but instead, he is the head of Toulon's youth rugby union team. Of course he is. Do you reckon he ever regales them with the tales of the <laughs> time he represented Monaco at the Eurovision Song Contest? I really hope he does. Now, time for our third song, and this is one that I'm sure you will all be familiar with. It's the one that was performed seventh on the night in Madrid, and it's Lulu for the United Kingdom with Boom Banger Bang. For a sixth year in a row, the BBC internally selected an artist and then had a televised national final whereby viewers would choose which song the pre-selected singer would take to the contest, a similar format to the one in Spain that we mentioned earlier on. Now, the BBC chose Lulu, she says, because they thought that it would be good for their TV ratings. Now, in early 1969, Lulu was already a household name and was starring in her own Saturday night TV show called Happening for Lulu. And this is where the six shortlisted songs would be performed once a week with viewers invited to vote for their favourite. Get this, via post. What? And also, if they're doing <laughs> one a week, does that mean it, six weeks this thing went on for? Yeah, so it was just her normal Saturday night TV show and she performed one song once a week for six weeks and then you had to vote via postcard, <laughs> like via Royal Mail. Like a really, really non-glam Melfest. <laughs> if this went on for six weeks, what's Melfest? That's six-ish weeks, isn't it? Yeah, Similar. It is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, of the six songs she performed in the national final, two of them are noteworthy. Of course, the winner, Boom Banger Bang, that we just heard, but also is I Can't Go On Living Without You, uh, which finished last it was written by a relatively unknown singer at the time, the one and only Elton John. And of course, that links us back to Rewind from last week, because Elton John appeared at the start of the grand final in 2003, didn't he? He was at the AIDS ball, chatting to the hosts. Yes. It always comes back to Eurovision, doesn't it? You can always link Eurovisions, there's always something happening. There's always something. It's almost as if we've planned these so that they, they have some sort of relation to one another. Let's see if we can keep that up over the next few editions. I, I do don't know. Knowing which one we're doing next, I don't know if we can. But anyway. <laughs> now then, uh, Tom Sloan was the head of light entertainment at the BBC in the 1960s. And can he I told... ask, by the way, sorry, I've interrupted you many times on this rewind. Mm. Um, we hear the phrase light entertainment a lot. Is there, a, is there a head of heavy entertainment? <laughs> <laughs> and if so, what would heady, heavy entertainment be? <laughs> I do not know. Yeah, you would you would have thought Eurovision might have been heavy entertainment. It's pretty out there, isn't it? I guess so. Or like sumo wrestling is that heavy <laughs> entertainment? Like literally, I don't know. Anyway, anyway, 
yes, so Tom Sloan, head of Light Entertainment, was chatting to the Radio Times. And he said that the melody is more important than the lyrics. The judges only hear the songs once, so the reaction must be instantaneous. A song that you can hum after one hearing is a good song for Europe. Now, Lulu herself agreed, saying at the time that Boom Bang A Bang is understandable in any language. And uh, she added that her husband-to-be, Morris Gibb from the Bee Gees, had picked it out from the very start as the likeliest winner. Now, let's hear song number eight from the night. It's Lenny Kerr for the Netherlands with D. Trobador. Now, we talked earlier on about Jean-Jacques, now the coach of the Toulon youth rugby team, <laughs> being only 12 at the time of representing Monaco in 1969. Well, Lenny Kerr wasn't exactly old. She was just 19 when she represented the Netherlands. Mm. Uh, back in 2021, she spoke to the official Eurovision YouTube channel to promote the album she was working on, but also spoke about some of her memories from the 69 contest. Here she is talking about the rehearsal week and how not everything went to plan. I was a week in Madrid, I remember. So the first days there were all sort of, there were just uh, orchestra uh, rehearsals. But the strange thing was that I couldn't do the rehearsal because the arrangements, you know, the papers, you know, it didn't, um, they didn't receive it. it. It was just sent by post, but it was stuck somewhere and nobody knew where they were. But I thought even when there is no orchestra, I can play it with my guitar player, with the two of us. And we will do it like this. The director, the Dutch director, he just wanted to do his job, of course. He didn't want to be put aside. For, he, for him, it was a real issue. So he said one night, I think I'm going to make, to remake the arrangement. <laughs> can you imagine? So he was already starting to remake an, another arrangement. And, and this morning, the fourth day, they arrived. So they were, they were stuck at the, say, the border uh, station. Now, if ever there was a reason to bring the orchestra back to Eurovision, is it this? <laughs> Can you imagine someone trying to sketch out how you would do the know, <laughs> orchestration of... Now, for some reason, can't think of any of the songs from 2023. <laughs> Tattoo. Let's go for the winner. Someone trying to sketch out the, the orchestration of Tattoo by hand on a napkin because the computer had broken. I'd be here for it. Now, the final song we are going to look at is the French entry by Frida Baccara with Un Jour, Un Effort. So this was Frida's second shot at representing France at Eurovision. Her first attempt had come five years earlier in 1964 with the song Autrefois, but missed out on the top prize in the national final. She then went on to make two further attempts to perform at the contest in 1980 and 1981. Now, I am rubbing my hands together because now we turn to the voting. <laughs> 
And as we know, this is where it gets dramatic. Yes, so let me just outline what the Eurovision voting looked like back then. Uh, so it was very different to how it is now. So it wasn't until the 1990s that any form of televoting was used. So in 1969, all the votes came from 10 member juries. Of the 10 jurors per country, five of them had to be under the age of 30, which is an interesting rule, actually. But maybe some people would agree with having some sort of stipulations mm. nowadays. Mm. And each of the 10 jury members had one point each to give out, meaning each country would give out 10 points in total rather than the 58 points that we used to today. I hope that makes sense. I think it does. And I didn't know that. That's a very mm. good fact. I'll be telling people about that. Thank you very much. <laughs> so in theory, then, a jury could reward points to anywhere between one to 10 different countries. Does that make sense? So a country... So hold on. I'm going to read this again. James, keep this in. This is me trying to work it out live. <laughs> So in theory, a jury could reward points to anywhere between one to ten different countries. Got you. Because yes. if they all give their point to one country, it gets ten points. And yes. yeah, got you. Got exactly. you. Anyway, anyway. Heading into the final set of points from the Finnish jury, Spain, the Netherlands and France were all tied on 18 points, with the UK just one point behind on 17 points needing two points to take the lead and win outright. So let's hear the very end of the finished results and what happened next. United Kingdom, one vote. Un punto. United Kingdom, one vote. Al Reino Unido, un And that completes the voting on the finished jury. Señoras Good y señores, morning, el Teatro Real de Madrid en estos momentos irrumpe en una gran ovación. Cuatro... Países clasificados en primer lugar, España con 18 puntos, Reino Unido 18 puntos, Holanda 18 puntos y Francia. Señoras y señores, Queremos recordar caso insólito en la historia del Eurofestival. Señoras y señores, hay cuatro naciones este es triunfadoras. Un inesperado final en esta canción de Eurovisión 1969. Yo voy a pedir por favor a Mr. Brown que sea él quien me diga exactamente los vencedores de este año. Y ya en efecto cuatro ganadores esta año, cuatro exequo, cuatro ganadores de este año, cuatro ganadores exequo, cuatro ganadores exequo. So to recap then, Finland gave out one point to the UK to draw them level with the three leaders, and neither Spain, the Netherlands, or France received any points from Finland, meaning they all. All four of them finished on 18 points. You could hear as well there, couldn't you, the astonishment in the Spanish commentator's voice saying, at this moment, there are four winning countries, then reading out their names and their points totals. We then hear the presenter, Laura Valenzuela, say, ladies and gentlemen, this is an unexpected ending to the 1969 Eurovision Song Contest. Not wrong. Yeah, she then turned to Mr. Brown, as she said, for assistant. That was Clifford Brown the executive supervisor at the time, and he says there are, in fact, four winners this year. Now, during the rehearsals earlier in the week, Laura had actually asked Clifford, the exec supervisor, what to do in the event of a tie for first place. After all, Spain had beaten the UK to victory by just one point the year beforehand. And it's reported that Clifford Brown had said... It's never happened before, and it never will. <laughs> Such a blase attitude to the whole thing, isn't it? Oh, yeah, this it would never happen, surely. Be fine, don't be so silly. Yeah, I've got to pick out a great stat, naturally, uh, from the voting. 
unsurprisingly, most of the points values that were given out from each jury were ones and, and twos and so on. But there was one set of six points given out by the French jury. Nice. And they awarded those six points to the Netherlands, meaning a third of Lenny Kerr's 18 points came from her fellow winners of France. But the French were kicking themselves <laughs> after that, weren't they? Anyway, surprisingly, and this is a surprise, the show only overran TV schedules by five minutes. That's despite all four winners being invited up to perform their song again. Conspiracy theory were the four winners because the show was running under time. (laughs) We need to fill the TV schedules, everyone. Let's just make four winners. Is that drastic enough? Maybe. Uh, And also, there had been four medals made in advance of the final, and they'd been intended to be given out to the songwriters of the winning song. But obviously, there was too many songwriters to be given medals because there was four winning songs. So instead, they gave those medals to the convenient number of four winning artists. Now, normally, James, we would say to play us out the winner of the contest of which we have just rewound. But there are four winners, James. So what do you want to do? I don't know. Do you want to sing them for us? Do you want to choose your favourite and sing it? Yeah, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, for the next 12 minutes, I'll be doing all four. No, I won't. I think it's only right, isn't it? We can be a bit self-indulgent. To sing us out, here's Lulu with Boom Bang A Bang. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the Eurotrip podcast then. Uh, Great to do Rewind of 1969. We've never been that far back and maybe for good reason. It was quite difficult, actually, I must admit, to do some of that research. But I think we got some good stories out of it nonetheless. No, we definitely did. I wasn't sure the tape rewound that far, to be honest, (laughs) but all the way back to 69. And do you think you're going to stay in correspondence with the uh, designer of that piece of (laughs) stage design that was 
in the background of the the stage in '69? Are you, you going to keep sending letters like a pen friend? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. It was just his family. Sadly, Amadeo is no longer with us. But yeah, his family. Maybe I don't think I've got much else to say. I had one question. They provided the answer. I think that probably there ends our correspondence. I don't think it should. I think you should invite them around for Christmas or something. <laughs> Maybe you can go and stop in their villa in the summer. <laughs> anyway, we've got one last thing to do on this episode of the Eurotrip, which of course, as always, is the one second song. This is the part of the podcast, of course, where me and James play each other the very first second of a Eurovision entry. And it is up to the other person to work out the name of the song, the artist, the year in which it was performed, and something else. And the country it represented, yes. Yeah, that's We've the done one. this for years, and every week. You normally just refer to me to read it out anyway, but... I- <laughs> yeah, well done for trying to remember them, at least anyway. I admire the ambition. It won't take me long to tell you that currently, two weeks in to the 2024 season, me and James are on zero points each. This is our third attempt. Yes, let us know how you're getting on at home. Maybe you, you've played two weeks, of course. Maybe you've got eight points in the bag. Do let us know. But Rob, you've chosen the song this week, so I get to play along. So, shall we have it? Yes, James, for you and for the listeners, for the first time, here is this week's One Second Song. Hmm. It's more familiar than the one you played me for the first week, at least anyway. And it's certainly more familiar, at least I'd hope it wasn't the one that you played for me last week, anyway. (laughs) Yeah, uh, let me just have it one more time, just to be sure. Yes, yeah, I think I'm I'm confident of knowing what it is. Uh, It is Switzerland, 2023. It's, oh, blimey, what was the chap's name? Uh, Remo, Remo, Remo Ferrer? With with soldiers? No, with water gun. I thought for a second there you were going to leave a point on the table. Oh, but you're me. correct. Yes! It is four, four points, James. Four points. It is, of course, Switzerland 2023. Uh, the first appearance for a song from 2023 here on the One Second Song. Uh, Remo Ferrer and water gun. I'm just glad to get some points on the board. I don't care that it was so easy because it was just the most recent contest that we've ever had. But I'm just glad to be off the mark. Yeah, I think it was quite generous with you this week. So would you like to work out how it connects to this week's podcast? Mm, Yeah, I was trying to figure it out. I was wondering if there's something about Mia Dimsic from earlier, but I don't think there is, is there? No, well, I was trying to be really clever and I thought I would look into the results of the 1969 contest that we've just done on Rewind, because nobody ever talks about the song that came second. Although technically, it's the song that came fifth, I suppose, Mm. because it had four winners. But nobody ever talks about who was then next in the leaderboard. And it was indeed Switzerland. Ah. So, So then I thought I would pick the Swiss entry 
from the year in which Croatia last qualified for a grand final. And I, I thought that was quite a long time ago. And then, James, of course, I forgot <laughs> that Croatia actually qualified for the 2023 grand final. And that is how we ended up with, uh, with Rima Ferrer in Switzerland's entry from, uh, from Liverpool. So you were very clever, but then just made my life a whole lot easier. So well done, but thank you. You're welcome. Uh, four points for you. And feel free to be as generous on next week's podcast. Well, we will see. Speaking of next week's podcast, by the way, we're taking a quick break from Rewind because we will be looking ahead to the Junior Eurovision Song Contest of 2023 taking place in Nice in France. So Rewind will be back with you in two weeks' time. But don't worry, I can hear you all screaming for your Rewind fix. We will be bringing it to you on Friday for an episode of Rewind Revisited. Yeah, Rewind... Yeah, Rewind Revisited, which is actually quite hard to say, mm. is back on Friday. As James said, all the build-up to the Junior Eurovision Song Contest on the podcast next week. And also, fingers crossed, might happen, it might not, but we might have a 2023 artist, or artists indeed, pop by for a chat next week. Might mm. happen, might not. Stay tuned to find out. Indeed, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, don't forget, in the meantime, until we are back with you, uh, you can support us online if you are willing to do so. We are on buymeacoffee.com forward slash Eurotrip podcast. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok at Eurotrip podcast and on the email as well. Hello at Eurotrippodcast.com. Very nicely done. Uh, shall we say goodbye? I think we probably should. Don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, James, it's goodbye. Don't forget to buy us a coffee as well if you're fancy. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash Eurotrip podcast. And from me, Rob, it's goodbye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.